Welcome to Outside Source Football, your inside look at the NFL. Listen to the latest predictions and happenings from the season with your hosts, Evan Mick and Gabriel Vondre. Here they are now. Hello and welcome to 101.7 FM, Ready Free Hillsdale. This is Outside Source Football with Evan Mick, Gabriel Vondrak, and Joseph Doherty. Back on our regular microphones. We sound oh, this, so much better. It's just, yeah. it's just This is beautiful, fellas. This, my, this feels better than Christmas morning seriously. to me right now. My, uh, my internet won't cut out every five minutes, so you can actually understand what I'm saying. It'll be great. No. I was on data on my phone on Zoom. It was, it was bad. Yeah, no, I mean, nobody sounded that good. Nobody did. It's uh, it's just it's yeah. good to be back. It's great. To be it's back. good to be back. <laughs> Wild card weekend, big playoff weekend. Starting out with Browns Texans, huge win by the Texans. A great game. Uh, Evan, by- Evan, could could we just have a moment of silence we- here for perhaps the greatest run in NFL history that nobody saw coming and nobody was more excited about Except it you. than we were. I did. He did predict it in week twelve. But Joe Flacco's. Lynn Sanity run came to a tragic end in Houston this weekend. But what a run. I say, let's not cry because it's over. Let's just be glad because it happened. Okay, go ahead, Evan. Okay, so pretty great game by Stroud. Uh, rookie in the playoffs, a lot of pressure, made, I mean, really no mistakes. A uh, couple of elite throws. Wasn't like, you know, the greatest quarterback game of all time, but like he didn't make any mistakes. He, he was, was he was pretty flawless. He was pretty darn good. Yeah, and, and the defense as well played amazing. I mean, also a great game by Laramie Tunstall. Uh, taking yes. on Miles Garrett. I thought that he outplayed Garrett the last time that they played, and I thought that Garrett was going to move to the other side most of this game, but they left him on Tunsil for some reason, even after Tunsil kept winning pass rep after pass rep. And it didn't really make any sense to me, and I think that was a big reason why they weren't able to get enough pressure. This game started awesome. I think through most of the first half, it was a shootout back and forth. Flacco was playing well, you know, taking the deep shots down the field, and so were the Texans. They were, you know, answering. They were going score for score, and then the Texans get one stop, go up by 10 and then that's when the pick six has happened the, f- the first one looks like he's trying to throw it away out of bounds doesn't get there and then the next one after that on the fourth down and and from that point the game was over they couldn't overcome that they, the only way that the browns were going to win this one was a shootout at that point which is super surprising given how good their defense had been all year but their defense had no answer for cj stroud in this in this texans offense so so once they got down by you know whatever it was 21 points 24 points it was uh the game was over from that point on the 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 Cleveland had no running game to begin. It, it, they were going to throw the ball, and then once the Texans knew they were going to be throwing the ball every down, it was really over. Shout out shout out the Texans. What a win. They're a scary team right now in the AFC, and a young team. So, I don't know. We, yeah. we, we could be talking about the Texans for a long, yep. long time. They that, keep all these guys together. That second pick I was not Joe Flacco's fault, though. If you watched it back, the tight end, Harrison Bryant, was in position, fourth and two, stay at the sticks, You know, use your body, keep the defender out. He's at fourth and two. He's at the sticks. Flacco throws it. And then he starts backing away from it right before he throws it, and the linebacker just steps in and, and takes that one off. Well, that's good to know because any any time that an interception is not Joe Flacco's fault, I am all over that. I thought you wanted to. I thought you'd want to know that. I, of so, course, yes. No. So really, he didn't throw either interception because the first one he was trying. The first to make, one he was trying to throw. He was away. trying to make a good decision. <laughs> yeah. So he actually he should have taken the sack on that three, one. Three hundred yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. What no great day for Flacco. It was a great but, day. Uh, okay. So honestly, though, been, for, without joking, if he wants to play next year, I feel like somebody should give him a chance at least bring him into the quarterback room if he wants if he wants to keep playing i would be willing if i was a quarterback needy team that was desperate i would give him a shot he obviously obviously shown that he's like still very serious about it he's in shape the arm is still there so we we obviously have a lot of offseason 
left. Yeah, I get, well, the start know. of the season. But I could see like the Falcons picking him up, maybe. And yeah, uh, just because they're going to get a later quarterback in the draft, maybe just as like a fail. How about safe. that? How about Bill Belichick to the Falcons, and <laughs> then you pair Joe Flacco <laughs> with all those young guys? Stop goat with it. goat combination. It's, it's, it. it's the retirement home Falcons. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay, but, Joe. What, but what, anyway, what, what were you going to say about the the game? The sorry. actual game. So I didn't know this, but the Browns defense all season has been horrible away. Yeah, I they did, were. The, I didn't yeah, know the worst team on the road. I saw a graphic. Yeah. Uh, during the game, and that that really came home to roost this this time. But I think that the real the the real bad part about the first pick six is that the Browns were down ten. It was the opening drive of the third, I think, or it was, like it was very early in the third. Very quarter. early in the third, they they put together a great drive. It was like five minutes, and then a pick six. They were moving just, the ball. They were moving the ball nice. It was a good drive. There wasn't any flashy plays, but they got a couple first downs here and there. Uh, and then just to throw a pick six, it was just like all the wind got knocked out of the Browns, and then it was over. And and that stadium was rocking. That's, I mean, the, yeah. those Texans fans, once they got into it, you could see the life on, on the Texans, the defensive side. And like, yeah, from that moment, it was it was going to take a miracle to get back in that game because they, yeah. they had so much momentum, so much energy on their side. I loved I loved when the camera would pan to Deshaun Watson. I was like, <laughs> ah, yes. Of course, the Texans, after having the, the greatest trade in the history of the NFL for the Texans, beat the Browns, who they traded away Deshaun Watson to. I thought that was pretty poetic. That trade looks really bad now. It honestly even worse than it was before. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> if you're not even playing, if you are Deshaun Watson, you don't mind that it ended that way. This Flacco run, because now there's not. I don't think there's going to be any controversy about like next year. Like Deshaun Watson will be the starter next year once he's healthy. So for him, it was kind of. I mean, honestly, a best case yeah. scenario for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, the guy who had a rough one for the Browns defense was safety Ronnie Hickman, number thirty-three. He shouldn't have been starting this game. He was because of a couple injuries. Ohio State guy not hadn't played that much all year and then kind of thrown into the fire the last couple of weeks and it's just a rough position to be in against one of the best deep passers in the league uh the play that stood out to me though individual play for some reason was the missed dpi versus david njoku on like a third and eight or something uh they ended up using a timeout afterwards because they couldn't get a play in in time because they were just so frustrated that the dpi wasn't called and that was the play that to me obviously the two pick sixes were more impactful but that was the play to me earlier before the pick sixes that it was like things are kind of going in Houston's favor now moving on though to Dolphins Chiefs what an awful game by the Dolphins awful game by the Dolphins they couldn't rush the passer which we knew last week because you know you lost both your edge rushers they had they went out and signed they signed anybody that anybody they could this week they brought in (laughs) Justin Houston they brought in Bruce Irvin they brought in Melvin Ingram I believe I mean they were I'm surprised they didn't give Bruce Smith a call they were trying they were trying any everything unfortunately it showed in the game their their defense especially their yeah defensive line could not get any pressure at all and could not stop the run Joe you were uh you were right about this one last week when you said the the elements and the environment was just going to play so much into the Chiefs' favor that Miami couldn't do anything. I didn't think it was going to yep. be this. I mean, I honestly thought I, I maybe was looking too much at the Dolphins' kind of you know season averages because on paper they were a very good run team. But it wasn't the style of running the football that they needed in this game. They were not a power run team. You know, it was still – like everything they do, a lot of misdirection and, and sort of getting guys in space. And and they yeah, they, they it's like they didn't even try to run the football hardly in this game. They just kept throwing screens for nothing. And that's they were just content to do that the whole game. Uh really disappointing that they didn't have more of a plan. But I, I understand not uh not being able to play in those conditions. I mean it was yeah. it was nasty. It was it brutal was so out cold. there. The the Dolphins lost this game when they lost to the Bills. 
in the last week of the season. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is just nearly impossible to to be a Miami team and go into Arrowhead and have to play against the Chiefs, let alone when it's negative 20 wind chill out and your offense is so flashy. And you're right, when when they run the ball, it's not power. It is it is very flashy stuff. Pitch pitch outside to A-chan and let him run 20 yards because he's so explosive, and the, the, the cold just froze him out. No, I mean, yeah, they are not like, yeah, get a hat on a hat. We're just right. going to out-physical you kind of run team. That's not that's not a part of their scheme at all. I don't think they could do it because they don't have the personnel to go, you know, three tight ends or extra offensive linemen and run the football because it's, it's not something that they had done all year. Yeah. Yeah. And Tua couldn't pass in the weather. I mean, he's no. not a strong-arm quarterback, so he's way more affected by the wind and the cold than Mahomes was because Mahomes can still, you know, throw it on a line. Tua depends so much on that touch. Well, and he's he's been doing it for how long now? He's been in Kansas City. He knows what it's like to play in those games. He yeah, he's much uh, was obviously much more comfortable than than Tua was. Dolphins offensive line was also never that good. I mean, that's why their their run game was just more of the flashy style. The we're gonna get a guy on a guy and then outrun you to the sideline. But yeah, yeah so also gotta give Legarius Sneed some credit. He's kind of annoying because I'm a, I don't like the Chiefs, but he had a great game against Tyreek Hill, really neutralized him. I think I think the play where he jams him at the line of scrimmage, gets him sort of off balance, and then just drives him into the ground was pretty much a good uh, a good kind of sum it up analogy. play. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was kind of a fitting analogy for this whole game. They just The Chiefs just beat him up and, and were more physical and looked like the better team. Yeah, moving on to Packers-Cowboys. Big win, first seven seed over two seed win in the NFL's short history of having a seven seed by the Packers exposing the Cowboys, actually, like, dominating. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. I have a lot to say about this one because the Cowboys had to play the Packers because wh- why? Why did they have to play the Packers? Because they got bailed out by the refs versus the Lions on that stupid call on that two-point conversion, which gave them the two-seed and made it impossible for the Lions to, to get the two-seed. Uh, and now it doesn't matter because the Lions have a home playoff game and the Cowboys are one and done. I, I love that. That's that's so so fitting to me. But my biggest takeaway from this game is I don't know. Like, I don't want to take away from Jordan Love because the last half of the season he has been a top-three quarterback, if not, like, the best quarterback. But schematically and, like, coaching-wise, every throw Jordan Love makes is to a wide-open receiver. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if – I don't know if they just have like the best scouting like in the world is matt lafleur like the best coach in the nfl seriously like i kid you not like romeo dobbs like well th- I, there was a pass in the middle of the field I to romeo say, dobbs where i was like there's there's no one 20 yards like, within there are also a number of plays where love does it on his own he helps that happen by hanging in the pocket as long as he can or he does that thing where he just like drifts back drifts back a little f- further so he's really good at buying himself extra time and obviously when you have more time guys are going to get more open but there were also like you said plenty of plays where he's just he's throwing it on time hits his back foot to a guy that is insanely wide open the one to the tight end who's, yeah who's for the, the touchdown Luke Musgrave Luke yeah. Musgrave there I mean you go wide camera and there's nobody within 20 yards of him it was just just a beautiful play design yeah Jordan Love wasn't making like high elite level throws he was making semi-difficult throws every play and he was doing it at an insanely consistent yeah. level that one the one touchdown throw up the scene was was pretty great that guy that guy was like right in his hip and Love put it in Wicks perfect spot yeah yeah i think it was like their third Wicks. touchdown yeah that was a really good play yeah but yeah but don't take it, uh anything away from jordan love i know that what we were saying yeah it's not not that's not a hurt on jordan it's, like it's not jordan love's yeah, fault yeah, yeah, that yeah. his receivers are wide open yeah, yeah. 
Sorry. If they just were. Yeah. I, I wasn't like... trying to like make an excuse because I'm secretly scared that the Packers are going to have their third Hall of Fame quarterback in a row and I'm going to cry and <laughs> I, I want to die. When the Lions have had 20 quarterbacks since Brett Favre and the Packers have had three, but you know, it's, it's all so, right. So I don't know if you guys saw this stat, but you're looking at the Stroud love comparison from their first playoff game three touchdowns no interceptions the exact same passer rating the exact same completions both 16 for 21 the only difference was like six yards it was yeah just a couple yards off they were almost almost identical statistically yeah it was was weird it was weird it was like watching deja vu and the cowboys and the browns both threw pick sixes so yeah games were really really similar and and for the cowboys they felt i felt like they were in this game when they were down 20 to zero you know they they had some unfortunate deck through a pick the Packers were like in the red zone right they were like on the 20 going in they score quick it's 14 nothing but it's 20 to zero the Cowboys are driving right before half they get the ball to start the second half and I'm like oh the Cowboys are gonna they'll, they'll be fine and then Dak throws that horrible pick six yeah that was that, was, that was a bad pick very bad and then it's tw- all of a sudden it's 27 to zero I'm like yeah I don't I don't see a world in which and the even, Cowboys okay come so back even after this. the 27 to zero the, the Cowboys go down and get that score and I'm like okay like this could be interesting their defense never got a stop no yep. they, they it none of it mattered because the Cowboys defense could not get off the field they couldn't stop Aaron Jones they couldn't stop the past, they couldn't stop anything. They had no answer for this Packers offense. So anything the Cowboys offense did, it didn't matter. Yeah, the Cowboys defense is the best defense in the league in the league when they have a lead. Yeah. But other than that, they are not a good defense. They thrive in pass rush, but they cannot stop a run to save their no, lives. It's, it's especially just... against how the Packers run the ball. And they can't you stop want to talk play about action. power. Yeah, they can't stop play action. So any of those even they were talking about it on uh, the broadcast. Was it Greg Olson? Was yeah. the I don't, I don't Yeah, he really was know. talking about how there's like what is it, the even chance plays or something like that where it's like 50% run, 50% yeah. pass and the Cowboys defense just D- down can't down in distance kind of plays. Yeah. yeah, you're staying ahead of the, you're staying ahead of the chains and it's not You know, it's first and it's ten. not it's not an obvious passing situation. It's a first and 10, you run it for 5, it's second and 5. I mean, you could do anything. You could do right, anything. Right? Yeah. You don't have to throw it or anything. And yeah. No, I th- I think we saw this against Buffalo. This is yep. the same way the Bills beat them, but you know the Bills ran the ball even more. I mean, the Bills didn't even have to throw the ball in that game. All they did no. was all they did. They got a lead and then could just run the ball. It was very so, similar to that. Yeah, yeah to, to your point, this Cowboys defense was not. You know, this team is built to play with a lead to kind of get on you with their offense, and then that defense can you know force you into passing situations. And yeah, they have great pass rushers and good defensive backs. But yeah, again, the Packers flip the script on them. They get they get the lead. They can run the ball. They dictate the game and. The cow, yeah, the Cowboys didn't have an answer for it, and now I think somebody like the Jerry Jones is not just going to run it back again. I mean, no this way. is I think three seasons in a row now where they have twelve wins and they're out before and they're one and three. Yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, they're out before the divisional round. They're either out out in the divisional round or before the divisional round. So either I think it's going to be either McCarthy or Dak, but somebody's somebody's going to get blamed. I think. Yep. Yeah. Moving on though to uh, Lions versus Rams, the biggest game of the weekend, maybe the biggest game in all of history since 1992 since I, the biggest game of our lives wow what a what a day of course though the lions can't just blow out the team that they're playing you know they, they have to only win by one even though every single other team that won last weekend kind of won by more than one score it was a bad wild card weekend but that's this, okay this was this that's was okay. the best game by this was far. the best game by far that's okay because they won and uh lions fans booed stafford which if you listen to the podcast last week you know that i was i was supportive of that and matthew stafford seemed pissed 
pissed off at the uh, at the press conference, which made me happy too. But yeah, you know, I mean, what else is there to say? The Lions are the Lions won a playoff game, and I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, great game plan by the Lions to go after Michael Hoyt in coverage, the, the guy who's kind of built like a defensive end, but he plays outside linebacker number ninety seven. Yeah, and he drops back in a coverage a lot. They went after him all day with with fast receivers, and it was like, I mean, yeah, the run game is always good no matter what. You just run the ball up the middle. I could call that play, but going after him was like the second part of the offense that that kind of unlocked all the the first three scores i mean the offense looked unstoppable in that first half yeah yeah sam laporta playing was huge obviously he had that touchdown and i, I was I'm so, glad to i was see so, that i was so impressed by that i, Me thought, too. That, I, I actually, thought there was no way he was i forgot to, i forgot to week. check the injury report before the game so they're announcing like the starting offense as they do on nbc and it said sam laporta i was like what, what? let's go he's playing <laughs> like what's going on but amon ross st brown i mean well uh you know puka nakua went off because the lions pass coverage is horrible so i don't know if i can say that amon Ra deserves to be above him i mean i i do because i think amon Ra is a top three i think amon Ra. i think i think amon Ra is a top three wide receiver in the I, league i will let say alone this the nfc about those two guys probably my two favorite receivers to watch after the catch i don't know if they're debo samuel's up there too but nobody is tougher than those guys after the catch i mean they it takes so many guys to bring them down and amon Ra uses i love the way he uses the sideline he'll like run towards the sideline and kind of bait a db into thinking that he's going to run out of bounds and then just break it down and cut back in and yeah. pick up like five or seven more yards he's so good at that oh yeah i, I love that that guy he's gonna get paid this offseason he, he deserves yeah. it and he deserves it rough one by the whole lion secondary i mean the corner i mean the safety's played okay but the corner's really really rough I'll d-line didn't get great pressure but it was okay like it wasn't a bad game with the line i would say the secondary yeah was, was the uh, hutch had two sacks uh one of which he just touched matthew stafford when he tripped <laughs> when he yeah. tripped but i think that that made up for there was a holding call on the last drive for the uh, rams that should have been a sack but it was a hold so i think you know that evens out but uh just ben don't break defense i mean that's yep. the difference in this game forcing three field goals in the, in red, the red zone, zone. like and pretty red pretty zone. deep into the red and, zone yeah pretty deep into the red zone and that that shows you even more how bad our secondary is because as soon as you shorten the field it's like oh wow look at this our d our d I, line I, and our linebackers are actually like decent enough making to, tackles Thank to you. make the tackles uh and our cornerbacks don't have enough room to get torched they're like good coverage but they just get torched all the time no i mean and, it's it's a strategy though and it works yeah. it, it worked for them and i don't i would almost um, rather you give because the, the two touchdowns the rams had were just like long broken plays, plays of long like 50 plays. yards us yeah. yards ish i think that we should just let teams <laughs> let teams get in the get to the just, 10 just yard run, line just keep it all in front of you it's a it's a way a lot of teams play defense now just mm-hmm. don't give up the big play and then tighten up in the red zone yeah. it's not a bad strategy and i didn't like the rams play calling in the red zone yeah, yeah it was it was very much uh we're going to try to get Cooper Cup one-on-one and throw back shoulder fades. and It hadn't worked all year. Didn't I work. Mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cooper, it, yeah, they were, it was like we're trying to bring back the Cooper Cup of uh, 2020 or 2021, whatever. I think it was 2021, his, his best season. But yeah, was was not the answer. And that was the reason they had to settle for all those field goals. And then I, I will say I was a little disappointed with the end of this game, just from a entertainment standpoint. Obviously, it was great that the Lions won. But, the you know, the Rams forced that stop. You know, they, they get the field goal, cut it to one point, get the ball back, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, there's like yeah, five, yeah. five or six Matthew Stafford seven, legacy six game. or seven minutes nervous. left. I was like, all right, here we go. And the Rams start driving. They're getting down the field, get into field goal range, and then you have the third down where the Lions stop them 
and there's a holding penalty. And I was, I did not like, honestly, if I was the head coach, I said, I, decline it. I don't know. I don't know how, it, how I would have chosen that because they were just maybe on the outside of field goal range, like really long. It would long have been field like a 50 range. to 55 yarder. I think. Yeah. It would have been a long field goal. They Something definitely, like they, yeah. Maybe a little more. But. Against, but against Brett Maher, who had been, who's had a rough season. They, yeah. I mean, they've had multiple kickers. But it is indoors. Year. You know, there's no yeah. elements. Like if it was windy, maybe. Either way, I think the Rams, they would have kicked it for sure. It's yeah. not, they would not have, Definitely. they would not have punted it. They would have either kicked it or gone for it. Instead, they take the penalty, knock them back to third and 14. And I was like, oh, here we go. Give them a second chance. And then they get the stop. You get the big stop. Mm-hmm. You trust your defense. And then Lions get the ball back and need out. And that was it. There and, were really no late I, game, yeah. no late game drama. And all I hear from Rams fans is like, oh, Puka was held on that play. And was he? I mean, yeah, kind of. But l- let's not forget the fact that in the game before that, the Packers versus the Cowboys, the defense, I, I forget which team it was, but the defensive player flinches and then the and then the right tackle step back and it's a it's an offsides penalty because yeah. the offensive lineman reacts to the defensive lineman and it was like explained on on TV I was like oh okay that makes the sense the exact same thing happens worse. right before halftime no, it was way worse but it was worse because the guy it actually was, so was offsides it was so obvious the guy it was so the guy obvious. jumps he into jumps. the neutral zone he doesn't zone. just flinch yeah and then the lions player moves and they call the false and that they was at, the false start. that was, was at brutal. the end at the end of the first half that was cuz it could have been it huge. was fourth and 5 could have given the lions a first down i think the lions score again because the the Rams were able to have good halftime adjustments that shut out the, the Lions offense, but I think that they'd score again there, and that would have been huge momentum going into the second half. But it doesn't matter. They won, though. They won. A one-point win is just as good as a 20-point win. So out of all the games this weekend, some great quarterback performances, and I, I kind of hate to say this, but Matthew Stafford was the best quarterback this weekend, and it wasn't particularly close. That was one of the best games by a quarterback I think I've ever seen. Even the incompletions, if you go back and watch them, like some of them hit the receivers in the hands. I mean, obviously the one that hit Puka in the hands at the end where he was being held and obviously you know a little bit you have the one where hit Tyler Higby in the hands and then he got toppled over but like accuracy no look two no look passes one on screen pass pretty easy but like as far as games by a quarterback this is one of the best ones I ever watched yeah and that's before I even consider that he was playing with a swollen hand for half the game and somebody stepped on his shoulder and a concussion <laughs> and possibly I mean, toward the end there yeah, I think he was knocked out but yeah I mean the Lions defense is so bad secondary at least that a good quarterback like Stafford is just gonna walk yeah. all over him and that's what made me super concerned for this game because if the Rams no matter what Matthew Stafford was going to have a good game yeah and if the Rams won they were going to win and Stafford was going to have a good game yeah and my dreams would be crushed but Jared Goff talk about Jared Goff Jared Goff you would have no been pressure out jersey and I would have been out of jersey yeah luckily <laughs> it, it survives it survives this year but Jared Goff was 22 for 22 when oh, he yeah. wasn't pressured that's mm-hmm. that's ridiculous and I think that maybe we should draft an O-line if we draft anything on offense I know I'm, I'm looking ahead but we should draft an O-lineman and just make our offensive line even better because Jared Goff is fine when he's not under pressure it's you, when he's under pressure where he does the stupid d- double hand toss oh, backwards to that was, whoever that was who, who even was that it was, a tight Rock, right? it was either right or right it was wasn't Laporta. I think it was Brock Wright. And I'm like, right what are you doing? Like, what are we doing? Why would you do that? But, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for listening to 101.7 FM, Ready for Hillsdale, Outside Source Football. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back to Outside Source Football on 101.7 FM, Ready for Hillsdale. Moving on to Bill's Steelers. Uh, it was pretty clear the Bills were the better team in this. This is one of the wild card weekend games. I would say maybe the only one that went 
pretty much exactly how everybody thought it was going to go. Bills dominated the game from the start, had a little bit of a, a the block kick, which led to some Steelers points, and the Steelers put together one nice drive, uh, able to come up with a touchdown, put it within a score, but I mean, this game was pretty much out of reach for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the Bills at home, better team. Josh Allen look, looked really good early on, obviously had the, the 52-yard run for a touchdown. That was that was quite electric, but I, I agree. You know, they jumped out to the big lead, a little bit of a lull in the middle of the game, and then pulled away at the end, uh, just as everybody expected. The Steelers yeah. offense just could not get really anything going. Yeah, you got Mason Rudolph back there, and he did his best, but... Yeah, they had some, they some just, nice short plays, Yeah, but the know, Bills made him I work mean, really hard you know, for everything Jay, they had to Jay, get. Jalen Warren had, you know, a couple, couple of plays here and there, little screens, it, some nice runs. They had they had some some highlights in the game. It wasn't yeah. all bad. Yeah, the they Steelers. weren't. I mean, they just they didn't, didn't play bad themselves. They lost because they were they were not the. They didn't team. get demolished, but yeah, I mean, yeah, and not to mention not having T.J. Watt on the other side really really hamstrung that defense because he, I mean, he is their best player without a doubt. Had they had him, probably would have been much more interesting. Could have held the Bills to a little bit less, but you take him out of the out of the picture, and the defense is is just not the same. Yeah, and a little bit of a shout out last minute thing to the Bills punter who uh, pulled his hamstring, or at least looked like he pulled his hamstring. Yeah, on that trying to chase down, trying to chase down after block the block field goal, and then he went out and punted like two minutes later. Pretty wild. Good for him. So yeah, Sam not Martin. not surprising though to see a, a pulled hamstring and whether that cold yeah. on a, a guy, punter who doesn't a guy run, who's, who's not used to running Sam running Martin, full speed. Who has my dad blocked on Twitter? That's a, <laughs> that's, that's a story. <laughs> Sam Martin is the, he used to be the punter for the Lions, and she, she, my dad gave him crap on Twitter. And he dad blocked, dad him, uh, blocked him. Yeah, your dad's a Twitter troll. I didn't know he, that. No, I, that, that's the one good uh, Twitter story that I have. I right. But nice. uh, no, this is exactly what you'd expect a two seed to do to a seven seed. So Cowboys maybe take notes. <laughs> but my favorite thing is is the Bills just chucking snow when they, when they <laughs> after they yeah. won. It's so cool. It's kind of like the fireworks. It's like fireworks. Like Josh Allen runs a fifty yard touchdown and, and it's just, just 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 the stands are <laughs> erupting. And I think that that's so cool. Yeah, the that biggest the sweet. biggest story in this game was the snow beforehand. <laughs> yeah, right. And during the game, yep. moving on though to Bucks Eagles. Uh, the Bucks played a pretty good game, but really the Eagles just collapsed. And I thought that talent was going to be able to get through this game. Obviously, no AJ Brown either, but I mean, really fell apart in all, all phases. What, what happened bad. to the Eagles? I mean, you talk about they look like the worst team in the NFL the last three weeks and now into the playoffs. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, any. I mean, yeah, you're talking. They lost to the Cardinals. They lose to the Giants. They get absolutely blown out by the Bucks a week after the Bucks put up nine points on the Panthers. This, <sighs> this Bucks team is one week <laughs> removed from a nine to zero win against the Panthers in, oh, a, whoa, whoa. in a game deciding their playoff fate. So you can't even say, oh, the Bucks were taking it lightly. They, whatever they, they need, they, they needed, needed that, that game to get in the playoffs. That was essentially and, a playoff game for the Bucks, and then they come out and hang thirty two yeah. on and, the thirty two to nine to the Eagles, who early in the season we talked about a Super Bowl favorite. This is an insane collapse. This team completely fell apart. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, after seeing all this, I think we're all in agreement that it was the coordinators were the most important thing. Last year. Losing, totally. losing Shane Steichen, losing Jonathan Gannon, and this team looked lost. They looked absolutely lost after you know the ten and one start. Then you get blown out by the Niners and the Cowboys. You lose to the Seahawks, and again the Giants and the Cardinals down the stretch. This team is I don't I don't I don't know where they go from here. This I don't know what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like to be in that locker room right now. It they got they got to just be like stunned. Like what the heck happened? Like how how did it get this bad so fast? I, yeah, I just don't get it because it's not like you know you're rolling and then your quarterback goes out with an ACL and he's done for the season and that just kind of like sidelines your your season. They were pretty healthy except the AJ Brown thing. They were pretty healthy the whole season and they just lost they, they just lost the will to win. Like I, there's no other way.
way to say it. They just didn't care. They just did not look like they cared. They looked I, like they had a flight to Cancun, I, uh, leaving Philly on Tuesday morning, and they're just done. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to say they didn't care. It just, you know, through, it felt like they didn't care through those so, first, through those first eleven games, and especially after that, the like the last three there, who they beat? They beat Kansas City. They beat the Bills, and, and they beat Dallas. Yeah. All of them close games. All of them could have gone the other way, and they had a number of games like that this season. But what we kept saying is, wow, this Eagles team finds ways to win. We thought they were good because, you know, as close as those games were, they kept finding ways to win. Jalen Hurts was clutch. The kicking game was clutch. And they made winning plays. And, and that's then, what you need in the playoffs. And that at the end of the year, it it flipped. It completely flipped. And all of a sudden, it was they could not make plays to win anymore. And they just kept making plays. They couldn't to leave it down games. at the end of the game. Yeah. And not only could they not even, I mean, in this game, they couldn't even keep it close. No. Yeah. The, te- the defensive tackling was horrible. And yeah, every outside of the defensive line, yeah, the linebackers in the secondary was just pitiful in this game. You know, the defensive line at least got some pressure on Baker Mayfield and kept this thing close for a long time, forced them to some field goals. And I think even going into the fourth quarter, this was still a one-score game. It was 16-9. to nine. But the offense, without A.J. Brown, couldn't get anything going. They blitzed Hurts a ton. He didn't have any answers for it. He was under duress the whole game, looked out of sorts. It was ugly. It was, it was really ugly. Yeah. No, and I mean, we talk about the play calling, and it's like, I talked about a little bit of the specific defensive play calling last week, but the offense, there's a play, and it's a really funny play. The Bucks blitzed, because, you know, they were pretty much blitzing all game. They sent six, and Eagles had six blocking. First of all, they didn't block all six. They only blocked five. Guy off the edge. But, like, that happens in a football game, you yeah. know? And so Jalen Hurts has to throw off his back foot, and he throws it kind of towards two receivers who are standing right next to each other, with yeah. two defenders on him. Yep. Down the right, and the, even the, like, the announcer, I don't remember who it was calling this was, game. I think it was Troy and It was Troy and Aikman that brought that up. A- Aikman yeah. was like, I don't know why they were both there. Like, that's, I don't know what this play call is. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, some of the offensive calling, it's not only that they're predictable because you know that they're running it on third and four yep. if there's less than yep. We've four We've talked guys. about this. But yeah, it's, it's all a numbers it's also, game. The passing game is bad. They had, I heard that they had three crossing routes the entire game, which is just like, why? Like, isn't that one of the most important routes in the game, especially against like zone coverage or man blitz? Crossing routes, no crossing routes. So, that's all I got yeah, specifically. I, I haven't, you know, I haven't watch their offense close enough to see exactly what guys are talking about but there are a number of people that have compared this Eagles offense to a high school offense with how <laughs> like simple and how how easy it'd be, how easy it'd be, it has become for other teams to stop so I mean like like we said do you put that on the coordinator the new coordinators the head coach uh, Sirianni no one is safe Jalen Hurts I just I, I don't know but I just this team seemed way too talented to finish as bad as they did. I thought it was a fitting end for them too when the Bucks jumped off sides on the extra point. Yes, totally. And, I was about to bring that and up. And they went for two points with the tush push and they didn't get it. I felt like that was a fitting that end. Was, that was a very, that I was kind of a that, statement. Yeah. Like after that play, I was like, yeah, they're not going to win this. Exactly. It's over. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to win this. You know, because at that point, it's 16 I don't know why they went for two in the first place. It's 16, well, it's 16 9. They kick the extra point, they get it. It's 16 10. There was an offsides penalty. So they're like, okay, well, we're on the one. We have the, the most broken play in football. Ball. Why don't we just run it and get two points? And then the Bucks stop them, and then all the momentum that they had from that touchdown it was gone. It was an attitude thing. Yeah, it was like it was a want to thing. Yeah, like I, like y'all said, I, I it's, it's fitting. I, it almost feels like this Eagles run is is already over. This team that was so good last year and they were ten and one this year, you felt like the Eagles are set up for sustained sustained success. This is going to be a good team in the NFC for a long time. You know, they have a young quarterback. They got a lot of young players, and all of a sudden now it feels like it's already fallen apart. 
apart. Yeah, in, the dynasty's over. And yeah, they might they might be blowing this thing up this offseason. Sirianni may be gone. I don't know. I think we'll see. That's a good segue into if Sirianni is gone, how good is this team with Mike Vrabel? How good is this team with Bill Belichick? A lot of teams are are good with Mike Vrabel. That was a very interesting move by the, a head scratching move by the Titans. Yeah, I don't really know what they were. I mean, they have one of the worst rosters in the league. You're starting a backup second round rookie quarterback who people thought is a, the project. Like he was the long term guy, not year one. Well, and great and, starter, and he's still like one of the worst rosters in the league, and they still found a way to win some games. They're competitive, exactly. And the whole time, are we, are we getting into this? Are we, are we talking yeah. coaches here a little bit? Yeah. Okay. The whole time Vrabel has been there, he's overachieved. They they never had an insane roster. Ryan Tannehill, they traded a fourth round pick for. You don't trade a fourth round pick for a guy and then expect him to be your starter long term. That's like a one season kind of plug in fix. You know you're not going to be very good, and then you go out and draft quarterback. He turned Ryan. You know Ryan Tannehill was a Pro Bowler. They made it to an AFC Championship game. They were number one seed in the AFC. So I, I mean, I think Vrabel is an excellent coach. I think he's proved that. I know that their past two years have not been good, but I, I didn't realize it. But apparently, the relationship between Vrabel and Titans, either management or ownership, has been bad for at least a year. And people inside the NFL kind of saw this coming. Um, that it was just I don't know if it's egos, whatever. But like Vrabel does not have like the people skills or the soft skills to like schmooze up to the ownership or the management. Like he's going to do it his way. And no, I feel like, he was straight to the and point. And I feel like he has earned the right to do that. He's shown that he was successful and he's a good head coach. I think you should do that. So if he just finds the right owner, the right manager, the right the right people to work with that are going to let him do his thing and, and do it the way that he wants to do, I think he'll be just fine. But yeah, I think Vrabel is an excellent coach and, you know, good luck to the Titans. I don't know who you're going to find exactly out there available that's better, that's a better head coach than Nobody. Mike Vrabel. So. That is exactly what I was going to bring up. I, You know, you want to fire a coach and then have a good backup like there, you know what I'm saying? Like you want to, you want to like see the vision, but like, who are they going to hire? That's better. Like it's you'd have same. to hire Bill Belichick. It's the same way with quarterbacks. Teams always talk about getting rid of your quarterback. Like the Cowboys right now, we're going to get rid of Dak Prescott. And okay. Okay. Yeah. They lost. Who are you? Who is available? That is better than Dak Prescott. Especially your there. draft position. Exactly. Yep. I, I, it's coaches and he- or quarterbacks and head coaches are very similar in that regard where if you have a good one, you are probably better off hanging on to them because they're at a premium. There are only so many guys that are actually great at it. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's not 32. There are not 32 great quarterbacks. There are not 32 great head coaches out there. There's only a few. And so if you have a good one, I would hang on to it because you look at you look at teams across the NFL. You look, I mean, look at the Lions the last 30 years, how hard it is to find a head coach or a quarterback. Look at the yeah, Raiders. Unless you're the Packers. Unless you're the Packers <sighs> and it comes so easy to I you. hate them so much. Dra- the Packers are Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting when it comes to drafting quarterbacks. Gosh. It is so easy for them. So good. It's but okay though. They only have three Super Bowls to show for it. Two Super Bowls. Two. Two. Only two. Three Hall of Fame court. Well, Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, one future Hall of Fame <laughs> quarterback. We're already, we're already <laughs> carding, calling Jordan Love a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, history repeats itself. Yeah, though. The four names that that pop up to me in head coaching jobs, it's Ben Johnson, who he wants like a lot of money, which makes sense because, you know, head coaches, some of them just don't, Please, ben, just please don't stay. do well. Please so, stay. So I think that he, you know, kind of wants to stay in that if they're not going to offer him a whole bunch of money. And so there's a chance that he doesn't go anywhere, but he'll definitely get some interviews. Yeah. He's he's up there. Harbaugh, who is in back in talks with Michigan, actually. Actually, I just learned today. Uh, so there's still a chance that although he's had some NFL coaching interviews, he stays at Michigan. Yeah, everybody's talking about the Chargers as the 
as the front runner for Harbaugh. But I don't, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he leaves Michigan either. I'm with you there. I think I'd leave Michigan. I think I would okay. too. After you lose so many, because they're you losing lost a lot of players. You're and losing you just one in Addy. Like yeah, it's it a good ending. It is a, it is a good time Unless, to walk away. But I mean, he does have a pretty good gig at Michigan, and since he won a national championship, you will never be fired. Yeah, no. like it, it would take it would take probably three really bad seasons. Like like losing to more. Rutgers, Nebraska. Yeah, type right. Seasons. <laughs> so yeah, like but, Michigan State. Uh, type it's kind of it kind of just depends on what he wants. If he wants job security, he should never leave Michigan. Uh, but if, if he, he wants, wants to, to go to the paid, NFL, then he, he should. Now this paid. is the if he wants to go to the NFL, this is when he should go to the NFL. Yeah, this is hundred percent. Uh, the third name that pops up, obviously Mike Vrabel, and the fourth one, Bill Belichick. NFL coaches already had great success. Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. <laughs> he's getting fired. He's well, not, he's not I, officially. I don't know if he's yet. a great head coach though. <laughs> Same thing with Nick Sirianni. Great regular season. He's all right. He's all right. But like. So the names that those those are the four names the most the prettiest coaching jobs right now is possibly the Cowboys because of how their seasons ended if something if that becomes open something's happening possibly I think this one's even wilder I don't think Sirianni is going anywhere you don't think so not this will, off season I, will I think there's this. a chance he's fired mid season next year he's got yeah. two years on his contract they might give him another is it is it Jeff Lurie is the owner I don't remember his name I, I believe it's Jeff Lurie and, and Howie Roseman is is the GM there they've done this before yeah. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, had two bad seasons. One or two bad seasons after that, he's gone. Gone. So Sirianni, okay, you got to a Super Bowl and lost. You made the playoffs this year. You finished the season horrible, two and six. It wouldn't be unlike the Eagles to pull the plug on something quick. Um, so you think not, it's more possible? I definitely think it's possible right now. To, yeah, that it happens <clears throat> this off season. I don't think it will. I think I, I, th- I think he will be back. But I mean, you never know. And NFL owners are they are an unpre- unpredictable breed of people. And the fans. They, they they usually don't have patience, and stuff like this looks bad. Like a collapse like this looks really bad. The fans of the Eagles are definitely, oh yeah, calling for somebody to get yeah, they're, out. They're mad, and it's it's the do- or the uh, the Cowboys are in a similar spot because it's well the Cowboys I think is even worse because it's been the same thing three years in a row. Now, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So the other job that comes up, like really beautiful job, is the Chargers. You already have a franchise quarterback, top ten quarterback, and you have some other pieces in there. A lot of aging guys, but. That's they, a, they got some salary any, cap issues. Anything with a starting gonna have to franchise out. quarterback is is a nice job. Having having gonna a quarterback have to clean is house the a little bit. They're, uh, yeah, the, some of those guys they're gonna are gonna have to let like Eckler walk uh, yeah. or Keenan Allen. I, I think Eckler was gonna walk. Uh, I think Eckler after the season. Closer. After the season, I agree. But I'm just saying interesting and, stuff. And that's the Seahawks. That's the Seahawks job. That was the other that's one I couldn't good. think of. Yeah. That's that's an okay job. I mean, Geno's been pretty decent the last two years. You have that would be a good place to bring in Ben Johnson because then you have Pete Carroll still there. You don't have like any. Like he still has think, a veteran coach presence in the building. I don't know exactly yeah, what they're going to do at with the him. Same, ben Johnson at the same time, you don't want a guy like breathing over your shoulder. You know, you don't want to feel like. Yeah, I guess that's, I could that's see a, a coach. I could see a coach seeing that as a negative. Like, I don't want the guy who used to have this job like to still yeah. be around and right. feel like he has any kind of influence. Like, this that's is my true. this is my thing. I want to be able to do it my way. Yeah, that's true. I think that Ben Johnson would thrive in uh, L.A. with the Chargers. And that's what I think with with Herbert. With Herbert. Or, oh my God. Or imagine the Eagles with some crazy creative play calls. Yeah, well, we we saw that last year with Shane, last with Shane Steichen. Exactly. We saw how good that offense was so. with a good play caller. Yeah. yeah. Moving on though to predicting the divisional wow round of the playoffs. Not, not a word about the Raiders. Not going to talk about the Raiders at all. Uh, whatever. The they're Antonio Pierce. <sighs> 
fine. No, I, last I'll, week last week was so nice. We didn't even oh, mention Raiders up. once, and it was uh, <laughs> it was half the time. <laughs> they were Crazy. those were last week was probably our lowest rated show <laughs> in program history. It was the shortest show for yeah, sure. It was, it was shortest. No, actually, I, all I want to say is it looks pretty good that both Champ Kelly and Antonio Pierce will be retained. And at, you're happy about in their that, position. right? And I am happy about that. That's what I want them to do. I feel like culture wise, they both work with the current roster. The play the players have been absolutely outspoken about both of them. So let's hope Mark Davis doesn't mess that up. They have interviewed other people, but I think that's just kind of a formality for both of those positions. So that's all I got. Yeah, moving on to predicting the, the divisional round. Texans at Ravens. Texans, great run, great rookie quarterback, but I think that the Ravens are just the better team in this aspect. And I, <laughs> the problem is I said this about the Cowboys last week, and yeah. that, didn't, that didn't go so well for me. The other problem is, is that all four of these teams that I picked to win last week, all won. Like the, the four teams that I picked to win in the second round of the playoffs last week, all won the first round of the playoffs well two of them were one seeds so i'm picking yeah the two of them were one seed i only got two games right but they were the two teams that i picked <laughs> to continue to keep going so i'm picking all the same games just a spoiler alert but I'm going with the ravens in this one i think that they're the, the more complete team I, I think that we'll see the texans come out to a quick start the Ravens start has been resting for two weeks you know they kind of got to knock the rust off a little bit i mean there's an argument to be made either way it's are they too well rested and they forgot yeah. how to play or are they so well rested that they're just gonna have way more energy than the Texans and just and just be able to dominate but I, I feel like the Texans might go up to an early lead uh, and then the, the Ravens will win I'll take the Ravens uh, before I make my pick I feel like I need to explain my bracket a little bit <laughs> oh yeah from last week obviously I wasn't on the show to defend myself let's just say I filled it out a little bit in haste uh, I, was, <laughs> I was I was out on the town in uh, San Luis Obispo California I did have to message him five having, times <laughs> having, having a wonderful time I think I, I used my uh, girlfriend's phone to fill them out and let's say just say maybe Maybe I made the picks that I wanted to see happen, not necessarily what I thought was going to happen. So unfortunately, my Super Bowl pick is already out. The Browns and Joe Flacco, it came to an end. But, you know, I'll stand by it. But anyway, just wanted to get that out there. Uh, with that being said, I will take the Ravens as well. I really like them this season. I like Lamar Jackson. I am I'm worried because we have not seen the playoff success from Lamar Jackson. Right? I don't know that he's ever won the playoff game. He is not. So that's tough. And, and like we just saw from this test, Texans team. They are young. They're exciting. They play like they got nothing to lose. They're, they're confident in and the they're, playoffs. And they're smart. Like they, no got, they got some the good, they have yeah. some really good coaches. D'Amico Ryans is doing an incredible job. Their offensive coordinator's name is escaping me at the moment, but he's already getting head coaching, a little bit of head coaching buzz for how well this te- uh, Texans offense has been in his first season. So they are a scary team. But I am going to take the Ravens. Yeah, I'm happy for C.J. Stroud, but we were we were robbed of Flacco's return to Baltimore. I think the I know, Browns we were so definitely close. win that game. We were so oh. close. God, it hurts me. It up, hurts me. Up next, we got Chiefs at Bills rematch for the ages. Chiefs always seem to win this one, but this time they're in Buffalo, and these are two very different Chiefs and Bills teams. Like the last couple times they've played, they've been kind of the same team, uh, explosive Kansas City offense, and the Bills are a passing team with no run game. I feel like these are two very different teams than we've seen those last couple of matches and so i get the bills winning at home i would like the bills to win so i'm gonna take the bills uh, but this is this is a big toss-up for me. Uh, this is the first time Patrick Mahomes has gone on the road in the postseason, if you exclude Super Bowls, uh, which is which is wild. And Buffalo is going to be rocking. So yeah. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the Bills in this one. I'm taking the Bills too. I I just because I want them to win exactly. so bad. I just do not want to see the Chiefs and like don't even get to the AFC Championship. Just just keep them out. Ruin the and streak. I th- I think that the the home field advantage I, I think is going to play a huge role. I think yeah, not being an Arrowhead for the first time. I mean it's going to be cold. Both of these 
teams are used to playing in the cold weather. I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. They're both comfortable in these conditions, but the fact that Buffalo's at home, and I, I do honestly feel like they're the better team right now. They have played better. so They're on, they're on a nice streak. G- give me the Bills. Packers at 49ers. I don't really think this one will be interesting. I know that the Packers Ooh, played so great against the Cowboys, oh, but I man. think that the 49ers are that much better of a do, team. Do not bet against the Packers right now. Packers are the Texans of the NFC. I'm I'm taking the 49ers. I think that the Cowboys thought that they were going to walk all over the Packers. I don't think that the 49ers are going to think the same. I think that they're going to yeah. take them seriously. I mean, the same way the Packers own the Cowboys in the postseason, the 49ers kind of own the Packers. Yep. We'll, we'll see if Jordan Love can finally flip that script and, and break that curse. But, yeah, I got to go with the 49ers. Up next, we got Bucks at Lions. Uh, I Lions. Said, it, said it last week. Lions. That One pride. Lions. Lions. <laughs> I said it last week that I think that the Bucks Eagles playoff game, I said that it was the worst two teams in the playoffs, and I, I stand by that. Outside mm. of the Steelers without TJ Watt. Now, know. if they had TJ Watt, I think that I would take them over the Bucks or the Eagles. But with all that being said, I still think that the Bucks are probably the worst playoff team remaining now, and I got the Lions at home. The only thing that concerns me with this game is that the Lions already beat the Bucks. It's hard to beat a team twice. It's true. Two very different teams. It was a long the Lions, time ago, though. And the Lions didn't have Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery in that game, which is big. Uh, and the Bucks' offense, uh, just not great at running the ball, but really good at passing the ball. Matches up really good against our defense. Just like the Rams. Uh, just well, like the, Ram- the Rams ran the ball okay, but they were better passing. Yeah, team. correct. Uh, so that that gives me a little bit of a concern. But uh, no, I, I have to take the Lions. The Lions might make the NFC Championship. Yeah, I mean, in in the words of Dan Campbell, uh, Jared Goff, you're good enough for Detroit. Yes. And Detroit's good enough for me in this one. I, I think they're... I think they're a much better team, much more complete team than the Buccaneers. I think so. I think if the Lions go up and score uh well go up twenty one points on the first three drives, they score three touchdowns, I think it's over. <laughs> I don't think that they would let Baker do the same thing that Stafford did. But then again, our defense sucks. So I don't know. Yeah, well thank you for listening to Outside Source Football on Radio Free Hillsdale, one oh one point seven FM. Uh, have a great day. Have a great enjoy divisional round of the playoffs. It's gonna be a fun weekend. There's some good games on. I'm excited. Little side note, the Lions game, the tickets, the, the cheapest ones, $520. The next closest is the Packers Niners at 200 So Pretty wild. Time to find Too bad out, I can't time, go. Time to find out who the real fans are. <laughs> the I fans with poor. deep pocketbooks. <laughs> I am poor. I will watch it from my couch. Take care.